Welcome to the Big Leads Press Pass Podcast. I am Ryan Phillips, and today I've got a great guest who I'm really excited to talk about, especially given that the NFL draft just happened last week. Um, He is the lead NFL draft writer at Bleacher Report, and I've read somewhere the most read author in the site's history, so that's kind of a big deal. It's Matt Miller. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I don't know if I'm still the most read author in the site's history. I think if so, it's just by like, I'm still there. You know, it's been a decade and they haven't kicked me out. So I think at some (laughs) point it's like, it doesn't mean I'm a good writer. It just means I've been there a long time. Hey man, people love, I tell myself. People love NFL draft content, so you're going to get read no matter what you do, I think. But you've become really a voice in that area. Um, You know, you've really risen up. I mean, quite frankly, risen up to the level of somebody who is an expert, who people go to all the time for for NFL draft content. How did you start at Bleacher Report? How did that come about? Because you're coming up on 10 years there now. Yeah, man, it's it's crazy telling this story. Um, I, I have to start back before the Internet. I. I was obsessed with the NFL draft and I can't even remember when it started. I've asked my older brothers if they can remember and they can't either. It's just, I was just always that kid who loved the NFL draft. And so even before the internet hit rural Missouri, where I grew up, you know, my, my younger brother who also works at Bleacher Report now and does the podcast with me and stuff. I mean, we would make mock drafts just on like the old computer that that our parents had, you know, and, and print it out for ourselves. And so it was like this obsession before I even knew that it could become a job. And then, you know, when I was in high school, uh, I started writing for websites. Um, I don't think a lot of people know this about me, actually. So I started writing for websites before I could drive. You know, it was just I would, uh, my first paid gig. I, w- I would write about the 49ers free agent signings and drafts every year for a website called NFL Draft Blitz. And I was like 15, 16 years old. Um, so it was always a hobby of mine. And, you know, after high school, I, I bounced around and tried a lot of different things. I, you know, went to EMS school did that. I worked as a nurse in an ER, uh, ended up in marketing. And all the while through those career paths, I was running my own draft websites on the side. It's like a hobby, you know, a way to make a little extra income, but also to stay connected to the, to the game and to stay connected to the draft. And so I was doing that all along and I was coaching some and I was scouting some, you know, for like, uh, the arena two league, not even the arena league, the arena two. That's how, how good I was at my And job. you coached high school football, right? I coached that... high school football for three years. Yeah. So I did like uh, all through like my twenties, basically my early twenties was doing all these things that allowed me to still be close to football, whether it was coaching or scouting. And then in 2000 and uh, I'm going to get the year wrong. 2010. Yeah, I guess it would have to be 2010. I, I was working in marketing as a social media manager and I really did not enjoy that. And so I, I subscribed to a website called journalismjobs.com. Mm-hmm. And you could put in like keywords and they would send you any job postings. And so I had put in, you know, like NFL, college football, NFL draft. And I get this email that company I'd never heard of before, Bleacher Report, was hiring writers. And you, I didn't go to journalism school. I went to EMS school, emergency medicine. And so um, I was like, oh, they don't, you don't have to have a journalism degree. This is great. I had a gigantic portfolio of work i had a website that i had run on my own for years and so i submitted an application they reviewed it put me through a couple months of you know almost like a trial run and in february of 2011 i became the first paid writer in bleacher report history in may of 2011 i got a call from dylan mcnamara uh, who was the deputy editor at the time and said "Uh, how much do you make in your marketing job and i told him it was like 35 grand and he was like uh, 
quit. You can come work for us full time. And I did. I quit that day. I get my notice. It's like, I'm out of here. And so, you know, that was, that was almost 10 years ago. So it's, that's how I got in, uh, how I've managed to stay <laughs> another story. Yeah. It, it, I mean, so this is something you were passionate about as a kid and, and you always wanted to do it. And was it always the NFL draft or did you have other sports passions as well? Or has it always been so draft heavy and, and football heavy? It's always been football. Um, you know, we used to take family road trips and I would have the backs of football cards memorized and quiz my brothers to see if they could guess them. I have three brothers and I would quiz them. You know, like I could tell you how many catches at the time. I could tell you, you know, like how many catches Jerry Rice had in college, you know, things like that. And, and I just became obsessed with it. And I mean, you know, we grew up in a fairly religious household. And so the draft day, two of the draft was on Sunday. And it was like, what excuse am I going to use this year to skip church to watch the draft? <laughs> and, you know, when I was in high school, um, I hope I don't get myself in trouble for saying this. Like I, I almost lost my credits every semester I was in high school because I would skip school to say I'm going to play Madden so much. So when mm -hmm. they put me in the game, when they put me in Madden as a virtual analyst, like that was a hilarious moment for my parents of like, we should have listened to you. All of those days you skipped school to play Madden. Something about the game of football really attracted me. And I tried to read everything I could about it, watch everything I could. I played throughout junior high and high school. Um, so it was really the probably the first thing I really fell in love with. Yeah, I got to say, as a guy who who worked at Bleacher for for about two years and and edited some of your stories, it was really unnerving when I turned on Madden and drafted somebody and saw you insulting my draft pick on tw with your with your virtual Twitter account. That was that was really unnerving. Uh, what it was is for I mean, me too? <laughs> <laughs> what was that like for you when Madden reaches out and puts you in the game? I mean, I, I thought, that's I thought one of my friends was messing with me. Uh, I was I was on my way home from a vacation in Montana. And so I'm like riding through, you know, the middle of South Dakota and I get this phone call and back in the day, it was like, you would actually answer a number, you know, if you didn't know who right, it was, right. so I answer it and it's like, Hey, my name is Michael Young. I'm like the director of something, something for EA sports. We'd like to talk to you about being in Madden. I thought it was one of my friends messing with me. It's like, okay, yeah, sure. And uh, then, uh, so I'm like Googling him while talking. It's like, Oh wait, this is, this is real. And they were like, you know, this is what we want to do. Uh, this is what we're, you know, ready to, to, you know, compensate you, how we'd like to work with you. And, and for me, it was like not even just being a virtual analyst in the game. I spent a couple of years helping create the rookie draft classes. So, um, you know, when you would, the years that the game was really big on following the storylines of those draft prospects, you know, I was helping them write that. So it was, oh. it was kind of cool to like, not just be an analyst, but get like, get some writing credit in the game was, was pretty cool too. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and, and, you know, those storylines were actually very cool. I love as being like a draft nerd myself. I enjoyed following that kind of stuff. I liked that aspect of the game. So I didn't know that you had uh, you, you did some writing in that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, um, it was stressful, but it was fun. <laughs> I can bet. Yeah. And, and you got to make up stuff, too. You know, I mean, it's like right. you're working off a template. Um, so for you. When do you, obviously the draft is, is what you focus on. And that is a year round thing for, for some of these, some of, you know, the higher level analysts like yourself who do this. Um, when do you start working on each draft class? Uh, the honest answer is about two weeks before one draft ends. So, you know, this year I would say by May 10th, um, I had a pretty good idea of where I wanted to start for 2021. And that process is, is big. Um, it's funny. You would think you would start with a list of like 700 names and pare it down. You have to get those 700 names first. And so it's a lot of outreach to colleges of who are your seniors, who are your underclassmen that you think could be high round picks, you know, kind of help me 
figure out who I need to watch from your school. And that's very different now than when I started. You know, it used to be, let me buy a, a Phil Steele, you know, college football magazine and, and mm-hmm. page through this thing, you know, basically building a list of players to, to begin scouting. So it, it's it's already rocking and rolling. I've already put out a mock draft. I already, I'm writing this weekend a big board that will come out uh, early next week. So there is, there's no time off. And I'll tell you, it's, the appetite is there. And that's something, I mean, as you know, you worked at Bleacher Report, the data that we get is amazing and it's so helpful. But, you know, we see that people are in the app searching 2021 big board, 2021 mock draft. It's really cool. I can remember even a couple of years ago, the draft ended and it was like, I had the whole summer off. It, it is not that way anymore, which I'm no. you know, very blessed and fortunate to be able to do this year round. But, and, and probably when you were at Bleacher Report, I was still splitting duties between NFL and NFL draft. And, and that's not the case anymore. I mean, I'm going to have some fun, try some new things and, you know, try to evolve as a, a writer and a journalist. But for the most part, you know, I'm a, I'm a draft analyst year round. And, and that's, that's a pretty new thing. Yeah, it is. And that, that's been a recent trend. And, and what I was going to ask you is, since you do prepare so far ahead of time, I, I know a lot of people, a lot of sports and a lot of uh, journalists have been thrown off by the, the coronavirus shutting everything down and the NFL draft the pre-draft process was pretty much shut down. You didn't have workouts. You didn't have teams, you know, getting guys in. And I know you hear from executives and things like that. Was this process that much different for you since you did so much work ahead of time? It wasn't. Um, the hardest part for me this year was getting accurate medical information on guys, you know, sure. because I want my board to be reflective, not necessarily the, the way that guys are going to come off, you know, like, okay, Joe Burrow one, Chase Young two, Jeff Akuda three. But it, I want it to be predictive. But you still use it as a reference on draft weekend of, okay, the Philadelphia Eagles took Jalen Rager in round one. Where was he on my board? And so that medical information is really, really important. And a lot of the guys where my board was very different from where players were drafted was based on medical information. You know, like uh, Hunter Bryant, the tight end from Washington, who went undrafted. There was some medical stuff there that I didn't know about. And so that's that's the biggest thing that, that was hurt this year in the process um, I really thought that my mock draft would just be the most inaccurate thing I'd ever written, <laughs> but because you don't have those, you know, you're not talking to area scouts who are in those, those draft meetings and can give you the information. And so a lot of times you're relying on high level decision makers who could also be using you, you know, to, to put out misinformation. So I was prepared to like limp out there and get the first two picks right. And then just, you know, hang my head. Um, thankfully that didn't happen, but you know, just there was a, a lack of information this year. On the other hand, I really feel like this year it was just it was more about the players like, OK, good players are going to get drafted. Not so much because the 40 time they ran or because of how they conducted themselves in an interview positively or negatively. Like this year was really about all right, good football players are coming off the board. And I, I think, you know, for a lot of us, I, I would imagine it's the same for, you know, my my peers in this industry. But for me, it was like. I looked at the end of round one and I think it was like, I had like 25 of 32 players off my board. So it was like teams really stuck to, we were calling it a chalk draft. Like they just stuck to what we expected them to do. Yeah. It seemed like guys who popped on film really got drafted early as opposed to maybe workout guys or, or, or things of that nature. It felt that way. Um, there was a lot of successful college players taken as opposed to, you know, a lot of potential being drafted. It felt like, um, I, I, I have to ask, since we're obviously the drafts, you know, in the rear view for about a week now, who did you think did really well? I mean, who who just comes to your mind when you think that a team had a really good draft? 
Yeah, the Ravens are the one team. And I think it's just because they do such a great job of drafting for value and, like, they never panic. They don't reach. They just sit and say, okay, yeah, like, we'll take that player. And and they do it in every round. So the Ravens had a, a very, very good draft. I really thought the Dallas Cowboys did as well. Um, and, and it was an unconventional draft for them. Obviously, you know, taking CeeDee Lamb at 17 was a really big surprise. I thought the corner, Trevon Diggs, they got in the second round. I thought he was a round one player. So they were another team that, that just stacked really good value. The Dolphins, I mean, the Dolphins had a ton of picks, so you would expect them to have a good draft. But I really liked what they did. You know, they fooled all of us with the, now we really like Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. Um, they fooled us, and I'm happy that they did because I wanted them to take two up. I thought he was a much better player. So I, I thought not just in getting two up, but the collection of all the talent that they, they acquired, they did a really good job. Uh, it's the one everybody's talking about. So what did you think of the Jordan Love selection from the Packers? Uh, so I love it because I like chaos. And uh, so that's fun. It's <laughs> a good answer. It, it, you know, like we need something to talk about all summer. This is great. So we have Jordan Love and Jalen Hurts. So we can tell, you know, we have that to talk about. I also think that, you know, it's they're going to take a lot of flack for, oh, you draft a, a quarterback before you take a receiver in the first round and you have Aaron Rodgers. But if they waited and if they waited, two years and they go into 2022 and Aaron Rodgers is 38 years old and he's at the end of his rope and they haven't drafted a successor we would kill them for that and so I think that a lot of times we're we are short-sighted when we analyze drafts of they didn't need a quarterback why would they trade up to take one and it's like well they don't need one right now but you know Rodgers is banged up somewhat often he's 36 years old at some point you're going to want that roster to be more financially healthy to where you can add, you know, impact players at other positions. Rogers is deservedly taking up a big part of it. So I actually liked that move of, Hey, let's go get a guy. It worked out last time they did it. You know, they, I think Rogers is one year older than Favre was when, when they took Aaron at the end of the first round. So it, it was not completely unexpected. There was a lot of, of talk out there amongst teams that the Packers could take a quarterback. Um, even talking to Jordan, we had him on my podcast, a couple maybe a week and a half before the draft. And, and like he had mentioned, the Packers were a team that had done a lot of work on him. So we knew that that was a pretty good possibility. It, what it, I know you said you ranked Joe Burrow as your second best quarterback you've ever scouted. Yeah. Uh, and Andrew Luck was number one. What is his best trait? What is the thing he does best on a football field? I think it, I would call it poise. It's that ability when he's pressured to move around, keep his eyes downfield, scanning the field, and, and move himself to find open targets. So it's and it's really not like a lot of guys in the league because a lot of guys who have that mobility and that vision, they look to run. Burrow looks to throw. And so, yes, he's athletic, and you can watch games where he tucks the ball and he takes off running, but it's just that poise in the pocket. The pocket awareness is, is so, so good. I think his accuracy is, is great as well. It's almost just that that it factor, you know, that it's mm-hmm. just you watch a guy and it's like, and I, I saw Burrow play four times in person and he got better every time we saw him play. And it's just like, goodness gracious, like it's, he does everything that you want a quarterback to do. And he does, I mean, he doesn't have the biggest arm, you know, that's, that's a knock, but it's good enough. Like it's his arm strength is good enough to make any throw you want in the NFL. And when it came down to time to like actually put a comparison on him, it was like, we're talking about like Tom Brady's footwork with Matt Ryan's arm. And if that's how you really feel about this player, how can you not just go ahead and say, all right, well, the best I've ever seen do it. It takes a, a level of confidence to do that because if it, if, if he busts, then you're going to look really, really stupid. And that's part of the job. But 
but I, I felt confident saying, all right, this is this is better than Jared Goff, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, you know, Sam Darnold, whoever you want to say in the last 10 years of evaluating quarterbacks, the, the best other than Andrew Luck for me. Did, is he is he the best going all the way back to when you were doing mock drafts back in back in high school and elementary school? You know, I didn't school? put grades on guys back then, so I don't know. Yeah. Probably not. You know, yeah. not. I think there would have been someone along the way there. I get asked a lot of people, like, better than Mahomes. And I have to, like, explain that I liked Mahomes a lot, but I really felt like he his situation mattered. So if you yeah. look at where, like, what I said about Mahomes pre-draft and then what it said, like, okay, well, he doesn't have to play right away. I know the system he's going to be in. He's going to sit behind Alex Smith. This is a great position. It's an A-plus pick, right? But Great coaching, but I, too, I, as well. Great, great coaching. But I worried enough about where he was going to go that that it kept him down a little bit as a prospect. That I've told Pat this. Like, if you go into the Browns, man, I don't think you'd be an MVP of a Super Bowl. I don't think you'd be an MVP of a regular season. Like, it's that fit matters. It's a big part of it. Yeah, I think that matters for every quarterback, too. It really does. I mean, specifically for a guy who was such a raw talent like Mahomes was when he came out of Texas Tech, I think you're right that it really matters. But I think for most quarterbacks, you know, it ma- the fit matters. I think we de- we undervalue that a lot. Absolutely. You know, Everybody just wants to, like, look at, talent. okay, your number one quarterback is this guy. Well, why didn't he work here? It's like, well, that team sucks. You know, like, they're yeah. often some coordinators, an idiot, and, like, they have no weapons, and, like they didn't mold matter. their system to the player, too, is another thing that happens a lot. Um, was there anybody in this draft who maybe wasn't a top player, but is just somebody you loved watching? Like, you would just flip on the tape to have fun. Is there is there somebody that went somewhere that you just enjoyed checking out every time you saw him? I was telling someone this the other day. Like, I have those players, but then I, like, run my mouth about them, and it's like, oh, well, he's not a secret anymore. Um, I think... One of my favorite, I mean, Clyde Edwards-Alaire was like my dude. I loved watching mm-hmm. him play. Um, obviously, he was a high pick, so that doesn't count. Antoine Winfield Jr. at Minnesota, probably my favorite player on defense to watch. Um, I really, really liked watching John Hightower at Boise State. Uh, he's a wide receiver. Um, I think he went in the fifth round of the Eagles. So not like a, a premier prospect, but just every time I got a chance to watch him play, I loved it. Joe Reed at Virginia was another one. He had five kickoff returns for touchdowns in college, so Guys like that who it's just, man, I, like, I would love to see them with better talent around them so defenses couldn't key on them and, and things like that. But I tend to, like, if I have if I have downtime, it's like, I'm just going to turn some film on and watch somebody. It's almost always a fast wide receiver. Like, that's fun for me. Offensive linemen are really, really, like, that's a, a chore for me. It's hard to do. Uh, quarterbacks are fun. But I think, you know, like, I was not a good one, but I played receiver. So I feel like I just like going back and watching and seeing the different ways people do it. Uh, I got to ask this about 2021, since you've already started your work on it. Who pops early on film? We all know about Trevor Lawrence. We all know about Justin Fields. You know, there's a group of guys that everybody has already targeted as maybe the top five. Who pops on film that people maybe don't know about and should really pay attention to this fall if there's college football? Jamar Chase is, is obviously one of the wide receiver to right. LSU. I mean, you just watch him. So I think the two LSU safeties, uh, Jacoby Stevens and Kerry Vincent Jr., I think they got overshadowed a lot by Christian Fulton and Grant Delpit. I thought they both played better than Delpit last year. Now, I'm not saying they'll be better prospects, but their actual play was better. So they are definitely guys that you're when you're just when you're watching, you kind of, oh, well, let me write his number down for next year. I think the biggest one is Trey Lance at North Dakota State. And I was going to ask you about this, him. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like if I'm not leading the damn charge for him, I'm I'm up there in front with one of the pitchforks. I know Bruce Feldman loves him as well, but 
28 touchdowns, no interceptions. Like, I'm smiling talking to you about him. That's so much I like watching Trey Lance play. Uh, and then he ran for 14 touchdowns on 1,100 yards. So his touchdown-to-interception ratio was 42 to nothing. And everybody's like, oh, but Justin Fields. Sorry, folks. Justin Fields threw three picks last year. And and, and there were a couple of dropped ones in that Clemson game. I just re-watched that game the other day. So, I, like, that's my least favorite thing, though, is everybody has to pit players against each other. Like, if I say I like Trey Lance over Justin Fields, people are like, why do you hate Ohio State? Like, I don't <laughs> hate Ohio State. I just really I, – I like Trey Lance. I like Justin Fields, too. I just – I. I mean, it's – I know people are going to listen to this and be like, I can't believe he just said that. But it's like how watching Mahomes and Deshaun Watson was in college where it's just like, I don't know what you're doing all the time, but damn it, it's fun. Like, I just – you're better than everybody on the field. You can do anything you want, and it's just – it's so much fun to watch. And and those are definitely the guys when it's, you know, uh, late April and you know you need to start working on next year, but you don't really want to, like, watch – you know, a Michigan guard yet. It's like, well, I'll just watch, you know, uh, North Dakota State against James Madison or something, or, you know, and just have some fun watching this quarterback. So Trevor Lawrence has been ticketed to be the number one pick in this draft, or the top quarterback at least, for a long time. Um, he did struggle a little early last year. Do you think that yeah. was just sophomore slump kind of thing? Or, or do you think there are real concerns with the game? Or do you think that he is this guy that everybody says he is, this, this sort of pinnacle of a prototypical quarterback? I agree with everything you just said, you know, and like, and you said three different things. So I, that's, that's how hard he is to evaluate because I mean, he was anointed the football Jesus as a true freshman and he lived up to it, you know? And then I did think last year, like you said, he struggled early. I think they struggled to establish the run and that affected his game. You know, they had a lot of turnover from their 2018 team. I, I do think that played a big part, um, not just in his struggles, but the team, I mean, that the entire defensive line was gone. Um, I thought the way he bounced back against Ohio State was fantastic, especially with the way they asked him to play that game. Uh, so, I, I mean, I do think, yeah, he should be the favorite to be the number one pick, but it shouldn't be this just – it's not an abomination to say that someone else could be. You know, that the Penny Sewell, the left tackle at Oregon. If a team, if the Bengals have the first pick, they're not going to take Trevor Lawrence. You know, so it's like it's not insane to say – I mean, he's really good, and he'll he should start here as the number one player on my board – He's got a chance to carry that torch wire to wire, just like Chase Young did. But he's not this just, oh, yeah, if the draft were today, he'd be the number one pick. Like, there's there's still worth the – I don't think that – I know a lot of folks who be like, he should just not play this year. He should sit it out if and when the season happens. I don't agree with that. I, I think he has to worry about Justin Fields and Trey Lance nipping at his heels, and, and he has to continue to get better. Well, obviously this year was a huge receiver class next year. looks like it's going to be another really good one as well. Uh, we saw some guys who probably could have been first rounders drop to the second round. Do you think that's going to happen next year too? I mean, do you think there's going to be as many like as deep a class next year? Cause there's a lot of guys. I, I read yeah, your so mock draft. There's a lot of guys real high on the top part. Right. I think that mock had eight receivers in it and I didn't even get them all in. So I think next year there might not be the depth. There might not be 36 receivers drafted. That's a lot. Yeah. I think the top end talent next year is better. Like I like Jamar Chase more than I like Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, or CeeDee Lamb. Um, I think you could you could go down the list. I think Jalen Waddle uh, is like I think I saw uh, Mello uh, who works with us at Bleacher, but I think he said if if Judy and Ruggs had a baby, it would be Jalen Waddle. And like that's actually, the, the best. That's way really to put good. It, right? Yeah, that's a good one. Like the route running and the speed combination is like that. Yep, that's exactly what that is. So I do think next year the top end talent is better. I don't know if we'll see that depth where. There were receivers drafted in the fifth round, and it was like, God, that guy might start for that team. Like, 
how does how does you know a player that good fall that far and and you know my grade on him was starter level so I don't know if we'll see that but but next year's top end is good it's really good at tight end as well uh, it's really good at linebacker so some of the spots this year that were even weak I think are going to be pretty strong next year so stick to football is your podcast. I recommend everybody go subscribe, check it out. What was the impetus to, to starting that? I mean, you're a busy dude already with, with, with the NFL draft. What made you want to start stick to football and, and tell us about the name? Yes. I wanted to do a podcast for a long time. I mean, um, I, I was w- driving to Kansas city once to get on a flight, to go to New York where our main office is. And I needed something to listen to. And I just, I remembered seeing a tweet about Serial, the podcast. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to check this out. And I got hooked and I like listened to 10 episodes in one day. You know, I was like, oh my God, like, why is no one doing this about football? Because at the time, like, podcasts just weren't really a thing. And so I immediately started pestering Bleach Report. It was like, hey, I want to do this. I want to do this. And at the time, like, they just, I don't think anyone saw the strategic value of a podcast or the, you know, the financial value of one at the time. So I, I bugged them and bugged them. And then, one year in my contract negotiations, it's like the perfect timing. And I was like, Hey, guess what? I want to do a podcast. <laughs> and, and, uh, Chris Sims and Adam Lefko had just started there. So there was like, you know, there was some, uh, some buzz in the building about podcast and that there could be a strategy. So they were like, okay, go for it. What do you want to call it? And I mean, it was during this era, you know, when it was, it was 2017, you know, so it's, uh, right after the election and everybody's mad at any journalist who has an opinion that's not about the sport they cover. And so what I told everyone was I got tired of being told to stick to football. So I made a podcast about it. And the idea originally was for it to be tongue in cheek that, you know, mm-hmm. like we would talk baseball and beer and barbecue and music. And it would be, you know, more of like a, a talk show than a, Hey, here's some analysts talking about the game. Um, the, the strategy kind of evolved and it's funny to now see that we're, in our third cycle and might go back to what the original strategy was, but it's been fun. I mean, I, I get to sit down three times a week with two of my best friends and talk about football. So Connor Rogers, who's in our, our New York office. And then, as I mentioned, my younger brother, Mello, uh, you know, we get to, to hang out for three hours a week and, and now we're on camera uh, in the Bleach Report app. It's streamed to YouTube uh, and we're, we're having a lot of fun with it. We do a tailgate tour. I think we went on nine tailgates last year where we just hop up in cities like we went to uh, Alabama uh, LSU and it's like hey we're throwing a tailgate it's free come hang out with us so we've had a that's lot not, of fun with it that's not work what are you talking it about is, like, so it actually is so much <laughs> more work than it sounds like right it's like that sounds like a blast but like but you have to like physically carry 300 beers through the quad in Alabama to a tent and like not be sweaty so that you can talk to fans and uh, like uh, Landon Collins is going to drop by. So you can't be smashed. You know, there's like, there's a strategy to it all, but uh, we've done that for two years now. And it's, it's a really good time to, you know, just get out there and connect with our fans, hopefully build some loyalty. There's a lot of, you know, the market's big now for podcasts. People have a lot of choices. So we try to do everything we can to be interactive and, and build that loyalty so that people, you know, will come back because inevitably we're going to say something that you disagree with. So we would like to have a personal connection there that, You'll continue listening even after we trash your favorite team's draft. I did. It's the it's the the pitfalls of being an NFL draft expert is is you're gonna upset everybody sometime. Um, you outside. So you're obviously a football junkie. You've always been a football junkie. You've always been a draft junkie. Outside of football, what is like your hobby? Like, what do you do to, when you're not working and and not focused on the draft? What do you spend time doing? Oh man. Your favorite nothing. one. <laughs> yeah, I, nothing. I really don't. I'm a, 
I'm a workaholic. Um, I like to go hiking, uh, but I haven't had a chance to do it enough uh, this this time around. Hopefully this summer I'll get a chance to. I read a lot. I'm a huge history nerd. Uh, that's something that if I if I you know ever won the Powerball and didn't have to work, work as hard, I would probably read a lot more than I than I have a chance to now. Um, those are that's about it. I'm trying to think. There's, I'm a terrible golfer, but I like to go drink beer. I'm too pa- I'm too impatient to fish. I, I'm not. You know, I'm not a woodworker. I'm not good with my hands. Uh, I just, when I have downtime, I usually uh, watch more football. Like, I love it. I truly do. I mean, this was, I'm so lucky because when I was a kid, this is what I wanted to be. You know, like, go back and, you know, my yearbooks. Like, what does he want to be when he grows up? Uh, I didn't even know what to call it, but this is what it was. So, I just try to, like, work every day so that they can't replace me. Basically, that's my strategy. (laughs) Well, I think you've made yourself pretty darn valuable there, uh, Matt. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. I, I really appreciate it. Um, everybody go to Bleacher Report. Check out Matt's work. He is fantastic. And and definitely subscribe to Stick to Football. Uh, we'll get you on here again sometime, Matt, and definitely quiz you about, about the NFL draft at another time. But thanks for joining us, buddy. Hey, I appreciate it, man. Uh, stay safe, and thanks for having me on.